Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Josh Brown, you're back. I am so croaky still, <laughs> Scott Tilford. You'd think I'd eaten a frog. I'm so pleased to be back. I yeah. was ill last week. You just had a random thing that wipes you off like a whole week. It's always Wouldn't let I, you go. I go visit the parents and I come back just uh, <laughs> destroyed physically. Um, I know, I just, I was wiped out. You yeah. know, I thought it was going to be just a little cold. And then I was in bed all day, every day. And I couldn't turn my head because my head would get dizzy and it would get light and it would hurt a lot uh-huh. and it was one of those colds i was texting you at the weekend about this you know sometimes when you're kind of off work ill mm. and no one likes being ill no but sometimes it might come after a period of you know big stress at work or something so you just kind of in a weird way just pleased to be off yes i wasn't pleased to be <laughs> off last week i was you raring ready to, go. to go i had the wind up sorted i had the news i was going to do on monday uh-huh. i had everything planned i had a double espresso sunday morning and i felt like i could destroy the world <laughs> i felt on top of you it sent me a flex for I, I was like yeah flex here he is i was wearing a vest yeah i had me um i finally figured out <laughs> me eating routine i just ha- things were in place uh-huh. On Sunday morning, and by Sunday night, <laughs> things were out of place, and they've been out of place ever since. But I'm I think I blame that double espresso. <laughs> it was, you know, <laughs> slapped you around. Was. I had a double espresso, and I had, a, I had, I had the mankiest fish and chips <laughs> you've ever had. <laughs> Don't have any monkey fish, mate. It was gross, man. The fish was grey. The chips were tasteless. Where, where, I don't want to call any place out. Which region was this from? It was my hometown. Right. They're normally really reliable there, <sighs> and they weren't good. So I'm blaming, fish. I'm blaming the fish and chips. That's uh, fair. Not ideal. But I'm back, and yeah. I've got so much to talk to you about um, that I've been saving up in my horrible little sack <laughs> for the past two weeks. <laughs> well, tip that sack out, my friend. We uh, made a collection of notes. The only thing that I wrote down was hell divers, hell divers, hell divers over and over again. But we do have very many notes to get to. Um, and this is the wind-up. I should have said that before. I'm Scott Tilford. That is Josh Brown. Hello, Scott Tilford. Hello, hello. Where we get through whatever's going on in the gaming industry, whatever uh, talking points are happening, which is to say hell divers is the one. Is it? The new pal world. Oh, you might say. don't call it that. Don't make me not want to play it. Tell <laughs> me all about it. Helldivers 2 because I've heard nothing but praise from every single person in this office. Mm-hmm. And I think that's hilarious because a week before Helldivers came out, no one except Ewan no. Patterson was asked about it. No, you got to shout out Ewan Patterson. you got to give him his flowers. Man was celebrating the idea of Helldivers 2 months in advance. And I remember him saying to us, like, I feel like there's something here. There's something to this game. And me and him did a podcast last week about it as well. Um, all the news about it. I'd record a lot. Me and him talked about it at some point last week. And um, yeah, he was the only person who saw it. I don't even believe Sony saw this coming. <laughs> um, Arrowhead, the developers themselves, have now thrown out their plans for the rest 
rest of the year to overhaul what they're going to be doing for the rest of 2024. Um, Helldivers 2 is just amazing. If you have a PlayStation, you should play it. I love that the price for it is half of what a traditional first-party game is, or a traditional Sony game is, PlayStation game is. Um, and it's just awesome. I only wanted to touch on it because I get that it's a big old talking point, and me and Ewan's video was just an excuse to gush about the game anyway because it has proven a lot of people wrong in regards to that conversation on what people want from a exclusive game, that, yeah. uh, that expectation of cinematics or storytelling or whatever. And it's just such a gameplay-forward game. It reminds me so much of, um, you know, Gears 2 Horde mode or Gears 3 and um, playing Halo 2 online, talking to randoms when Xbox Live was new. Like, I've not talked to randoms in, like, 15 years. <laughs> like, and the other... But the thing is, like, all of this is to say that Helldivers 2 has reignited that part of me that loved online chat in, in multiplayer games. Yeah. Um, it was that pre-Call of Duty Modern Warfare golden era where, yeah, there was some horrific stuff said, but there was some phenomenal co-op moments in there, too. Um, and you made friends with someone from a different country or a different wing of your country or whatever. It was a beautiful time, damn it. And like, I'm back in it at the minute. And so the other, I was just talking to these randoms. We were coordinating. We're loading each other's guns. Like Helldivers 2 has that has a whole thing where certain weapons are better if you work as a team of two. Yeah. Um, and like that stuff's great. Some of the mission goals, you need, you need to talk to each other to align a satellite or whatever it is. And um, there's not very many of them, but those little things work really, really well. Um, and it's just such a reminder of like, we are more when we come together. <laughs> When we dive together, I love it. You know what, man? I've um, I was similarly re-embraced um, online multiplayer mm. with friends and with strangers over the pandemic with Warzone, as I've mentioned before. You mm -hmm. know that was what got my band back together. Yeah. It got us an excuse to log on, shoot the crap, and then log back off. And I love that Helldivers has Don't been log off, mate. Just keep playing. catalyst for you. I, I did for like 500 hours, and then I, uh, they, they, they nuked Vedansk, <laughs> and then I couldn't go back, so that's a shame. That's but fair. Helldivers 2, I also, um, we got some codes in, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I was going to play it over the first weekend. Ewan got one code, I got a code, and I haven't really had time to go on it yet, because you need that squad as you far do, as you I do, can you tell do. and I, obviously I was not very well didn't want to go on the headset or anything so mm. I need to etch out some time for you you and and whoever else to show me the ropes yeah I will say that um it's a fun it's like it's fun enough to play solo sometimes the mission designs kind of screw you over because it's just the sheer reality of how many enemies you're up against however if you do happen to do a solo mission there is like a really good like survival edge to that especially with how atmospheric the music is and you're aware that you're like the last soldier left behind and you can see everyone uh, dropping around you and kind of stuff um but but at the same time, yeah, it, it is good for a squad. You kind of do need to match up. The game servers have taken an absolute hammering over the weekend. Um, Arrowhead got out there and said they were doing 1.5 times XP for the weekend as an apology for the servers being spotty towards the end of last week, which only made people dive in even more. Um, the game has now surpassed um, GTA V's concurrent play account. It's the most played PlayStation game on Steam by a considerable margin. Yeah. I think God of War was what it was before, but that was about 70,000 concurrents. This is now over 400,000. It's ridiculous. Um, but at some point, they had to cap the servers. You literally had updates from various team members at Arrowhead saying they're doing as much as they can. They're going without sleep. They're trying to make it work. Um, and uh, late on Sunday night, they just had to take the had to put a server cap on, so it became one in one out. And when you load the game up, because I tested this on Sunday night, you just get a warning saying we literally can't let you in. The the club is full. It's crazy. Yeah, queuing down the streets to one get in. One in one out for a video game. I love that. Man. I mean, I that's my, that that's my paraphrase, but it is what they've yes. done. Like, um, but still, uh, it's worth just saying that. Um, just giving the game its flowers. Like, that was the video that me and Ewan did last week. Um, and shout out to just the entire team. Like, this is phenomenal. It's been in development for a long time. 2015 was Helldivers 1. 
Um, and it's just a game that a lot of people should check out. I think um, that it's really fascinating just seeing what they're going to do. Um, and the storytelling that's in here, quote-unquote storytelling, yep. is like metatextual stuff where it's like you're looking after the galaxy as a collective. And they've they've done a great job of putting fake news reports out on Twitter just saying, like, you guys have all taken over this planet, but the automatons are invading, <laughs> so go over here. And it's like, this is really cool. It's an interesting um, approach, I think, to a live service and sort of online multiplayer generally to have yeah. that meta framing. I like it when, um, you know, the stories are implemented in that way. Mm. I think you've seen so many games try to do that over the years and not quite nail it. My first thought goes to the original Titanfall, which totally. was sold on the idea that it was a multiplayer-only game, but we have this single player, we have this world that you want to get invested in. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that fail so many times, and yet Helldivers after the success of the original, because I imagine a lot of it was just carried over in mm-hmm. terms of the story and the, the context and stuff, but it's just, it seems to have nailed it. It seems to know exactly what it is, and it seems to be confident in its presentation. Yeah, I don't know if you can think of anything for this, but my mind was trying to think of any third-person shooters of a certain production level. Like, you got Gears 5 in, like, 2019 or 18. Yeah. But, like, the third-person shooter space is empty. For it the is. vast majority. And I wonder if it's that, to a degree. Like, I don't think anyone, other than you past saw this coming <laughs> at all to this degree not to this like degree, to, no. to outpace um gta 5 and some of the top titles on steam the only thing it's behind now is um counter-strike yeah and that has like multiple millions of players and stuff um but yeah i was trying to think of like anything else that's tried to come in and do a really good third person shooter and um, we just haven't really had it it's kind of an abandoned space there's so much conflation of third person shooters and cover shooters that they yeah. became the same thing um and you know we had so many different games when gears was big but gears 5 was completely was fine enough but it didn't like set off a whole wave of copycats. Like to some degree, these are the numbers of people who just want to play a third-person shooter. No, you know, you mentioned it. Like a pure action third-person shooter. It has been a long time. Yeah, that I can. I'm trying to recall. Like my mind goes back to Resi Four from last year, but that's survival horror, mm-hmm. same mm-hmm. with Dead Space. And I've not played barely anything of Helldivers Two. But even I felt like um, I was getting a kick of something really good just yeah. playing through the tutorial and it feeling so fluid mm-hmm. and smooth it almost reminded me of the fox engine and metal gear Solid right. 5 and the yeah. way that you were going from i don't know a sprint to prone to crawling on your belly mm. and you it just all kind of worked in mm. that way i don't think we've really had anything like like that since maybe control well, that's the thing, right? It's like, yeah, there are obviously tons of third-person games with shooting elements in them. Yeah. But if you think of something as pure as Gears of War, like that idea of just giving you a really good tactile third-person shooter um, that is so immediate. Like there is so little story. Like you're right. a Helldiver, there's a bunch of bugs, go kill, defend the galaxy. Like there's very little to it. There's lore bits of uh, text files you can find on the planets to find a bit of history about the particular planet that you're on. Um, but it's so gameplay forward that I love that about it. I think as well, I'll not talk too much more about it because it just is the game right now. Um, but I do think it's worth shouting out that every aspect of it is just so refined like mm. in regards to ammo clip sizes and if you reload too early you lose the rest of your ammo clip you need to think about that stuff um, aiming down sights is a, a toggle but like if you're aiming in general you need to make sure you're crouching so that it, it comes together you have two reticles I it's like, like that yeah and it's like you can then but you can do that to your advantage if you um, sort of turn like a 90 like turn about 90 degrees and then keep firing as your gun catches up you'll spray across the whole like an arc kind of thing and it's like loads of little things like that and like the way extractions happen the fact that friendly fire is on, the fact that those um, certain weapons need to be fired with two people or whatever it is, all those little systems um, for as much as we didn't really hear much about Helldivers 2, feel like they've been playtested like to perfection. Yeah. Like there are 
almost there's almost nothing wrong with it at all. Like it's you really can't find a flaw. Like you could point to some of the customization. I, I would I would like some more customization, but it's like there's still a ton in there. Um, and then even the monetized monetized side of it, which like I'm quite staunch on. If you're charging an upfront cost, you can't then have a free to play model from launch. Yeah. Um, I get it for the developers on a long enough timeline as a way to pay those people. Um, so I am quote unquote against that. But I think if you're gonna have that in there, at least their prices are extremely low right. and fundamentally optional. The only thing the premium currency is going towards is the uh, store that rotates. And for the most part, the stuff in there has been pretty naff anyway. <laughs> um, it's just aesthetics as well. It's not anything, you're not paying to win or anything. No. So there is also a battle pass, but still like you can earn premium currency in game as well. So if you want to grind it out to get that stuff, you just can. It's like, there's a palatability to it that like most games like this would just nickel and dime you. And it's, I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot into Rick no, Grimes. I, no, don't you dare! Don't you do that to me? You would not pivoted it into Rick Grimes Look, because Rick it, Grimes does not nickel and dime you either. He's worth every penny, he's apparently. Worth every penny of the Call of Duty Battle Pass. I'll have you know, he's definitely worthy of that investment. <laughs> oh, I can't we'll, believe we'll, you've done this to me. We'll get to them. Uh, we'll get to him in a little bit. Um, but it, but it is in that climate of yeah. like that big sort of uh, you know live service expectations, microtransaction expectations. It's not to forgive or want this anywhere else. Um, but still, if you're going to do it and you've been in development for this long, um, this is our way to do it. That has so far been received very well. You know what, man? A, th- a game like this makes us look like idiots in the best possible <laughs> way. Because I remember before it was coming out, we might have done a podcast or maybe like a February predictions sort of mm. video where we were looking at Helldivers 2. And I think a lot of us, not just us two, were asking the question of why isn't it on PlayStation Plus? I was totally one on PS Plus. It yeah. would get like this massive player base. It could be free to play maybe. It mm-hmm. could get people into the ecosystem. And I think like the sales success of it is kind of just proven why it wasn't. Like if you have confidence in your product mm-hmm. and your product is good and you can get that sort of word of mouth appeal on uh, on a high quality thing, mm-hmm. like you, you can you can make the most of uh, that exclusivity or that launch or whatever. It is. I would be fascinated by that conversation because yeah. I think I think it's a happy accident in that regard. I think it was. Uh, in development for so long, it's it was ready to come out. It's Helldivers. It's a known IP to a point, but your average person probably hasn't heard of it. I think it slipped under the radar, and then it blew up. It was like Niantic right. with Pokemon Go, where Nintendo were just like, oh, it's over there. Oh, my God, it's the biggest thing ever. All right, okay, we should probably talk about it. Like, I just feel like overall, the fact that they've been able to put the hiring thing out and they've changed their plans and everything, I don't think Sony were thinking that much about it. No. Because their overall approach to live service stuff is caught up in all the Jim Ryan, Hiroki Totoki leadership changey stuff. And Foamstar's got way more marketing. Yeah, it did. Uh, <laughs> which we'll get to. Um, but Foamstar's is the one that the spotlight was shone on. Helldivers was just kind of left to the side. Um, as opposed to them going like, this is so quality, we're just gonna, we know it's gonna blow. <laughs> I don't think they knew at all. No, no. Um, but the quality is there and that's what's blown up. As opposed to, at least I would say, Foamstar's, which is a good pivot. Um, You've been playing the old Foamstars. Here's the thing, because I was not interested in Foamstars, but then you said, (laughs) as so many people have said, that it's pretty much just Splatoon. You're going to wound me. I I can tell what you're... I can see the the blade. And it is. It it undoubtedly is Splatoon. But the thing is, I've not played Splatoon, right? And I'm not going to pay for Splatoon. No. Because I don't really play online multiplayer on my Nintendo Switch. So... Formstars released on the PlayStation Plus premium service, and I thought I could go for a bit of that. I could jump in, see what all the fuss is about. It also helped that the last few trailers genuinely did a lot for me. I thought it looked really pretty. The music's awesome. The music is awesome. Um, Graphically, it has a presentational style 
that I vibe with a lot. There's something really? about... I know it's surprising, isn't it? Because... I just... It's so Fortnite-y to me. I, no, I know that's an overused umbrella term. I wasn't yeah. even going to criticize that. It, it, I, I can see why you would say it's Fortnite-y, but here's the thing. I like the way Fortnite looks as well. True. I true. think Fortnite has something about it. Whether that thing is Unreal Engine 5, I don't know. Mm. But it's it's colorful. It's cohesive, more importantly, and it, it feels confident in its presentation. True. And I don't love Foam Stars as a game, but its presentation kind of had that as well. I was looking at these, you know, silky pristine arenas and this kind of like neon future cyberpunk thing they have going for themselves. Mm. And it it just worked. There are so many games out there that kind of go for the game show aesthetic yeah. that I find really cringy at times and just really unappealing. And for whatever reason, I don't get that here. Like there's the form and the colors. It all just blends together to create something that works for my eye for whatever reason. That's so fair. When I jumped in and kind of realized it played quite well too. It does, it does. I was I was here for it, man. I think it's I think it's a, a soulless product in many ways. The outrageous microtrans transaction store in there is just ridiculous. You know, you could say, yeah, it's on PlayStation Plus, but they're charging like 40 quid for skins. And 40 pounds. And they're not even good skins. No. And, you know, I don't know who was paying for those things, but okay. Um, but like the actual core gameplay, which pretty much is just Splatoon across a few different game modes, mm. is funny enough to capture my imagination and become my casual game because I love just jumping on something for a match or Same, two. same. But the only other game I can really do that with is Call of Duty, and Call of Duty requires way too much brain attention. Hell effing divers. Well, here's the thing. I also like to not speak to people at all. <laughs> you can, there's of there's a ping job. system in there, so my friend. So I, 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 I feel like you need to coordinate a little bit in Helldivers, mm. whereas in Foam Stars, I can just be my little guy <laughs> on my little surfboard shooting out foam and trying to win a match. It, it, it really scratches that casual element mm. that I really want. It's the most casual multiplayer game I've ever played. I'm not really, not playing it concerned about performance necessarily, not confirmed concerned about kills or chills as they're known in oh this my game. God, yeah. um, I'm just concerned about having five minutes of fun. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize how much I missed that or needed it in my gaming repertoire. But the foam stars has provided me. Yeah, with it. I mean the thing is, like, yeah, I agree. Like, I I always um, think of those games. I call them bridging games. It's like if I'm on the way, I'm on the way to another big game. I'll bridge by having a match or two in something else. But then it's Tekken Eight, and I play it for a month solid, and I can't get on the main story yeah. thing. Um, but yeah, like foam stars does play very well. I when I mentioned the art style being Fortnite, I meant in terms of um, being derivative. Like, just you can right. tell what they're pulling from. Yeah. This game feels like a hit and run. I feel like I'm hit, and they are sprinting. Like, it's just the amount of money. In those microtransactions is insane. The amount of Splatoon and the overall game's design is insane. Um, it just feels very cynical. Um, yeah. And it's like, there are uh, it's there are some distinct things in regards to the gameplay. I like that you have to knock players out by skating into them. That's fun. And if, you're, uh, if your teammate hits you, they save you. That's cool, because you're in like a phased, uh, a dazed state. And also, like, if you spray a bunch of foam, it piles up, so you can argue that it's changing the geometry um, as you, as the match plays out. Yes. Um, my big issue with it was the sheer readability of combat, like the amount of foam that gets in the way, the amount of times you're just shooting through walls of foam, explosives, whatever it is, just like trying to get a bead on a player and you still hit them. You still yeah. get the kill, but it's like, oh, the chill. Uh, the fact that they call it chills is like, oh my God, just, just 
don't. But like, <sighs> there's that. But like, but that whole readability of combat was the thing that made me go like, I'm good. Thing is right, and I mean this in the nicest way, and I don't want to insult you Please or do. anyone. Um, listening to this, because I play this game too, but I think what's important to remember, in a way, and this is a criticism as well, Yes, this game is for babies, right? The game is ah, for babies. Babies haven't got £40 pound to spend. That's, that's, where, that's where the criticism comes mm. in, right? I think aesthetically, it is, it's definitely going for a really young audience. It's oh, going yeah, for yeah. probably sub-Fortnite, because, you know, it's, it's very much... Um, like it's it, the language it uses, even in, in substituting kill for chill and stuff, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's so wrapped in bubble wrap, right? And I think I don't have a problem with that. I'm okay with the cringe <laughs> that comes from that because it's not for me. You know, no, I, mean? I like them but, building a world. Yeah, but that I think makes the microtransaction side of it more ghoulish and more worthy of criticism because it's for babies, mm. it's for kids. It's for this young audience and they're kind of being treated with kid gloves as they should. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they've got this store that has a bunch of 40 pound skins in it. Yeah. And that is designed to get their serotonin going and get them (laughs) feeling like they're missing out if they don't have the latest skins and stuff. And that's where I have a problem with it being for that market rather than the, uh, the 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 language of it and the presentation. No, uh, yeah, I'd back that. I I I'm all for like a, a custom nomenclature. I'm all for like a custom universe. It's just that it just feels so derivative and it just feels so cringy. And you literally have, whenever we at least in our office do a joke about like the 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 I don't know some sort of press announcement. It's like, hey guys, the, the, the blah blah blah. Yeah. And we do like a stupid voice. Your tutorial tutorial guy talks like that. Like, and it's just it's just the it, it could have if you went one step further, it would be hell divising it where you're aware of the stuff you're pastiching because they play it so straight and it's like we call them chills guys and it's just it's just kind of so cringe and so on the nose and so nakedly do putting splatoon on another platform yeah. and not to make everything about pal world but like <laughs> you look at pal world as putting pokemon on other platforms and it blew up and you can see the potential where like you put a game like splatoon which is a fun- splatoon 2 and splatoon 3 are phenomenal yeah you put that on other platforms those mechanics that idea of inking part of the world and everything else you do that somewhere else and it makes a ton of money yeah and i just feel like that was the mission statement from the beginning and the end it's not that the devs didn't care. Like I said, I like I really like the music in it. But at the same time, it's persona music. It's right. been done somewhere else in regards to a thing you can point at and be like, they brought that in. The thing is, you're absolutely right. You're spot on about everything you just said, all the criticisms I agree with. <laughs> it's it's just a strange one because I would never support this as kind of a product, if that makes sense. I would mm. never encourage everyone listening to this podcast to go out and play it. No. It's just hit at a time where it's the exact niche that I was after because mm. there are so few, I think anyway, like super casual but super impactful multiplayer games. Like everything that I would play is one of those bridging games that you described are far better games than this, but I can't turn my brain off in the same way. Like I'm getting absolutely slapped by skill-based matchmaking in Call Mm. of Duty, or I jump into something like uh, Rocket League, which has a casual element, but... That was mine for years. You might get absolutely annihilated by these high IQ players, right? Like, the the ceiling is so high, and Mm. sometimes I kind of just want to go on, turn my brain off for five minutes while my tea is cooking. Yeah. And this scratches that itch. As a wider product, I think it's nefarious the way it rolls out of its (laughs) its, uh, microtransaction store. Uh And as a product, it has all of the soulless elements that you just described because it is just blatantly taken from a bunch of other sources Mm -hmm. in going, what if we just roll all these popular things together and hopefully have a live service? I don't think it'll be alive more than three months, but those three months 
I will log on at least twice more, <laughs> and I will have two more decent games. I think that's my thing with um, yeah the hit, the hit and run side of it is like you're only to me you're cranking those microtransaction prices because you know you're not going to be around for very long. Yeah. Like Square Enix also published the Avengers game, which in its dying throes had insanely overpriced DLC. It was like 150 dollars for the um, the movie skins or whatever it was. Um, they will try and fleece the living hell out of the people who were, who were willing to stick around for it and get involved in that marketplace. Um, but yeah, at least it plays well. You can't ignore all that stuff um, and just just go in and be like, are there a good set of gameplay systems? Yes, for the most part. However, I would say that it's almost unintelligible in regards to aiming at play, like players the more that stuff kicks off. But also, I have a direct comparison to Splatoon, which just does everything so much right. better. Yeah, well, that's, that's probably it, right? I didn't have a problem with the readability of the map itself. I just when you're targeting, like, can you see the dude you're shooting? Yeah, no, like three, I have walls of foam. I was like, I'm just shooting at like a an icon. That is true. You are shooting at an icon. Yeah. In like all of the enemies have a uh, visible silhouette when they're behind cover or they're behind the form. So it's like, yeah, you're not really shooting at a person. You're shooting at the outline of a yeah. person or whatever. But that worked for me because of the visual splendor of it and <laughs> the just thrill of skating around that foam felt um, phone. I think mm-hmm. it's. I think it's. For what it is, it's incredibly low stakes, and I appreciate that. I feel like I will never have to spend a single penny no. on this game, and I don't think you necessarily <laughs> should in its current state. And I, and that's shouldn't be championed, but it's better than what Square Enix has done recently. Yeah, I'd yeah. rather play this than the Avengers. Oh, yeah. Eh. I just don't want to play either of them. I think <laughs> it, I, I'll take Splatoon. It's, um, yeah, the, like you said, for Square Enix, it's better... It's, it's better than, than the things they've done in the past. But um, we'll see how it rolls out. I'll be amazed if it's still here this time next year. Me too. Like, my beloved Knockout City got knocked out itself. Like, that was... I played Rocket League for, like, six years, and then I went to Knockout City was my bridging game, and then Knockout City failed as well. So um, I also don't have that little bridging game thing apart from something like Helldivers. Or a couple of rounds on Tekken. There you go. I do want to throw in, because we've got lots of things to get to, um, the Rick Grimes Call of Duty skit. Yeah, this is going to be very brief. Confession but I, um, time. We got a question on the UBP when me and you did an episode a few weeks ago and mm-hmm. someone was asking um, has a piece of DLC or a add-on ever gotten you back into a game and they mentioned the Rick Grimes Walking Dead right. crossover for Call of Duty and that was the first time I'd heard of this <laughs> which is surprising considering both those things I love and my answer is yes that that has got me back in because I Did am, you buy it? Ah well here we go <laughs> I immediately logged back on to Call of Duty Warzone to see this crossover uh-huh. and initially they only have Rick Grimes in there. I don't think he's voiced by Andrew Lincoln. They might have taken some lines from the show, but oh. sometimes the voice sounds a little bit off. And um, because they've got a new Walking Dead show starring Rick Grimes and Michonne coming out okay. um, in a few weeks, and he thankfully wasn't a separate sixteen ninety nine purchase. You get his. Um, skin straight away if you get the battle pass. I already had enough COD points to buy the battle pass without okay. spending any real money, so I didn't technically pay for him. I think the thing that's worth noting, though, is I would have paid for him <laughs> if he wasn't <laughs> oh, in the battle pass. No. But I didn't have to, so I'm 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 pleased I didn't. And How you know what? The model's not even that good. It's the none Mich- of it's good. The Michonne one's really good, like it's spot on. But the Rick one's like. It's a little weird. Seventeen pounds. I'd, I'd have spent it. Yeah, I would. How much fast food you could get for that? Yeah, uh, you can probably only get like one, uh. one big McDonald's takeaway for that. <laughs> Seventeen pounds <laughs> of fast food would be a lot of fast food. I'd, I'm getting it from delivery though. I have to pay the delivery. I, just, fees, I can't. I can't. The driver. 
unsanctioned this buffoonery. I remember when um, I remember when skins were like you know <coughs> two ninety five, and even that was egregious. I, I, my little pin for my little PlayStation jacket was like one ninety nine in PlayStation Home, and I well, thought that was insane. Here's the thing: you don't just get the skin, Scott. Go on. You get some tracer bullets, so oh. your gun might fire a specific color, or okay. it might dismember a specific way, and you get some stickers, and you get some. Other other stuff that you don't want, but <laughs> it's all there, baby. Custom dismemberment, I'm more into. If you can, if you can give me, I don't really want to pay extra for it. But if I can kill a player in a way that they know they got killed by me because their limb flew up out their mouth or something, I, I'm fine with that. That's what I got when I bought the Ash Evil Dead bundle. Mm. You get you got an AK that dismembered a specific way, I think, <laughs> or or maybe it didn't, and you. It bloodied itself the more right. clothes you got. It's you gross. Bloodied you bloodied yourself doing this. I, know, I really did. I've, yeah. I've disgraced myself. Um, <laughs> I have nothing more to add to that other than the That's fact fine. that it happened. And I, it, it wasn't, I wanted it to be better. Right. Put it that way. I, I'm looking forward to the Michonne one. I'll pay for that one as well. Oh. And then I won't even be able to watch the show hilariously because well, it doesn't have a UK distributor at the minute. <laughs> Not only spinoffs do, which is amazing. So I've got a spinoff kind of like... I'm going off on a weird tangent now, but the Activision crossovers recently have been mad. In November of last year, we got the Dune 2 crossover because that was when that movie was originally supposed to come out. But Uh. because it was delayed, you just had like playable Dune characters. Dune, I think you said Doom. Oh no, sorry, Dune, D-U-N-E. That would have got me running in. Um, It would have, I. There was a Doom crossover though as well, but um, that's by the by. What the hell? actual dune yeah they had the crossover out when the movie wasn't out so it was like well what's <laughs> what's what's going on here lads what's happening um and it this kind of feels similar because yeah the show is coming out this month right thankfully but it's only coming out in america this month so I don't... international players are like what why are you doing a walking <laughs> dead crossover after the show is over it just doesn't translate what, on that international level I what know. any of th- I, I don't even ah. it's strange isn't it I don't know. Hey. I don't know what Call of Duty is anymore. No it's, one does. Nicki Minaj issue. is in there apparently. I'd buy that skin as well. I Stop love buying the skins. Seeing Nicki Minaj in Call of Duty. No, I you also don't. want to get. I, I would have got the Dune one because you get Timothy Chalamet. Do you get that little box that he puts his hand in? Maybe. I don't, I'm not sure. Maybe that's a charm. Box DLC. He looks really good though in the game. He's gonna look good anyway. That but you true. don't have to pay 17. Just Google image. I know. I know. But. He, w- he wouldn't want you to do it. I'll put it towards Tekken instead. Yes! For the love of God, you've got Prince of Persia, you've got Tekken 8, you've got Infinite Wealth. They're all right there. Hey, I've got something nice to talk to you about. Please do. It was my ninth What Culture anniversary a few weeks oh, yeah. ago. And this was a strange... Um, I had a strange little coincidence with this because I was at a gig. I was going to see... I was completely derailed the podcast. No, do it. Now, and I'm we do we it. had this down. So I was supposed to open the podcast nah, on that. And then right. Don't you worry. I've, I've only waited two weeks to talk about this, so I'm cramming it in where I can. Please do. Um, I went to see the Menzingers I've in heard of them. Newcastle. Yeah. They were really good. Some Great. of the best zingers you could find. Absolutely. I love them. You know, annoyingly, not as funny as they should be. <laughs> uh, Dad jokes. Dad jokes. Uh... But I was seeing this band, and then some lovely guy called Kean, um, who watches some of the channels, came up, and we had a chat. Mm-hmm. And he asked me a question of, how did I get into doing this job to mm-hmm. begin with? And I hadn't thought about that in years. Did and we not was, answer that at some really, point? We definitely did. Yeah, right, we'd right. done it on, like, a chatty, but it was just, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's been a while, anyway. It was a lovely little chat. It was a lovely conversation, and it got me thinking about you messaging me, well, not just me personally, but having those first conversations getting published on the site. Mm-hmm. And I only bring that up to say, 
it was a strange coincidence because I hadn't thought about that in ages. And then a few days later, my phone gave me a notification saying that it was nine years since the first article I ever did. No I way. So I just kind of wanted to throw that in about how long ago that was. Uh-huh. And I wanted to tell you off because why were you letting me write <laughs> at 20 years old for a website, man? I, that, that's 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 That's... That's criminal, that. You were an active participant in the online digital space. You were available to be messaged and up <laughs> for certain things. You were already writing for hashtag crack.com. So, I've got a, yeah. I've got a uh, confession to make about God. that. It's not that I swindled you. I, I did really <laughs> did. I really did write for crack.com. For those of you, I should probably explain the story now. Scott messaged the university that I was going to say was it wasn't me that recruited the you. Time. No, yeah. Scott didn't do it personally. I wasn't headhunting. I mean, I would have done. You put out essentially a, a message across the university saying that what culture was looking for writers. Yeah, I, I knew the, um, I forget the name of the dude now, but it was my lecturer from at the time because I'd left university and got hired at what culture. And then we were building the team. And I was like, well, I want to circulate something around the, because I just, I just want people who are hungry to do this stuff yeah. um, and I was still in touch with my old lecturer at the time and he was like well I'll, I can circulate something so I sent him an email and he put it out I don't know how it got circulated but I sent him a thing pretty much just that I think he just right. sort of sent it to I was in the media department I can't remember if it was more than that but mm. it definitely went to the to the media department anyway and was saying like you know, he is the email to send an mm. application to so the way I, I didn't get the job only because of this, but I, I leveraged that cracked article. So stunning that good I, looks, mate. That, that I did write. I did not have stunning good looks then <laughs> or now. Um, but this cracked article that I wrote, mm-hmm. I definitely, I did write it. I spent months writing it. In fact, it was an arduous process trying to get something published on that website because mm. their standards were just so high. They went, you went through so many different editors. It was, it was a nightmare, to be honest. It made me cry at one right. point. I was like broken. Um, but the point is that it went up and it does have my name on it still. I imagine if I went to check it, and it did do really well, got uh-huh. like a million views. But I'm going to level with you. Uh-huh. 90% of that article was rewritten by whoever <laughs> ghost wrote it. I have never been more deflated professionally in my life than seeing that finally go up after about six months of graft and realizing it's how all much rewritten. it changed. It was, uh. it was brutal. It was like, oh, it, 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 was, it was heartbreaking, man. It was right. honestly guttering. And I still kind of showed it off, but... I wish I could be more proud of that than I was. And I'm still proud that I did the graft and got it up yeah, and, yeah. you know, had that experience. And I do think it was really useful experience because it made me, when I became an editor here mm-hmm. and I was editing people's work, not do that essentially and well, I mean, give them give writers more feedback rather than just change it myself mm. because now I knew how that felt when oh, your yeah. words came back and they were someone else's. No, man, it's a testament to the fact that the quality was always in you anyway. Because, like, if you take it from that step onwards, like, you came in, we started working together, everything in the last nine years. Yes. Like, everything's been, we've flown since then. So there was always enough quality there. It is funny that, like, the, because um, I remember, I forget, I f- actually don't really remember what the emails looked like, what the text was, what the reply was. But yeah. I remember getting, we got a bunch of replies, um, but it was you. Our own you and Patterson was from that thing as well, um, and lots of other people. But like over time, it was um, well, this guy works for Cracked, so like that, that's <laughs> potentially cool. And then um, that eventually leading to like an in-person internship and stuff, um, and going from there. But yeah, I guess that was that was the specific one-to-one was like a, a calling. Um, what would you call it? Like a putting the cast out, putting the call out across the university, and someone people responding to that and yeah. going from there. But like, yeah, it doesn't take anything away from what you did after that stuff. No, no, of course not, of course not. I just <laughs> thought it was a, I thought it was a funny story that mm-hmm. maybe someone can relate to. Everyone's going to get their start somewhere. I wanted to throw that uh, anniversary up because I don't, I don't think I've ever even celebrated an anniversary. But no. I thought, you know what? 
Not even it's, in It's love. nine years since Scott and I have known each other. What yeah. better place to uh, break that than on the wind-up? Hell yeah, man. We Hell built yeah. this across the pandemic as well. The, Hell uh, yeah. The wind-up is our own little thing. Um, we have many other little talking points here. One of them being Witcher 3 versus Baldur's Gate 3. Yes, this is another thing I was actually going to open the podcast on. Ah. I completely forgot <laughs> about. But as you recall, Scott Tilford, yes. a few weeks ago, maybe even the last episode of the wind-up, I made the audacious claim that... Baldur's Gate 3 was better, or at least had a better story than The Witcher 3. Ludicrous. I hadn't finished Baldur's Gate at that time. I was right at the end. I was 99% complete. I've since completed Baldur's Gate 3, and I was wrong. <laughs> and I can hold my hand up, hands up and say, look... I was I was smoking some strange stuff. Yeah, wasn't yeah, really. yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, it, you know when you love someone so much that you're like, yeah, I, I'm just going to let them say this I, thing. I was, they, uh, they still know I love them. I was high on my own supply, man, <laughs> and I was just so confident that Baldur's Gate 3 would have at least a decent ending. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com 
forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. I would say that this is hilarious because you don't like the bits that I love that made that game story, but it's still demonstrably worse than The Witcher 3 story. This is it, right? I I thought Baldur's Gate had an okay ending at best. I thought, considering that I was laughing off The Witcher 3's Siri decisions as just being four discreet moments and saying, (laughs) oh, Baldur's will do way better than that, it kind of didn't. It kind of... In a way, it didn't do right by you. It didn't do right by me. You know, I liked what was there. I just thought it felt very rushed mm-hmm. compared to what I was expecting. A few things just didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. No spoilers here. Um, but overall, I kind of wanted to just revisit that and temper my praise for Baldur's Gate 3. I still think it's one of the best RPGs. It's ever unbelievable. Made. It's yeah. incredible. That certainly didn't like ruin my time with it. I'm, I'm barely going to think about it going forward because the um, <laughs> previous 90 hours were just that good. Uh-huh. Um, but I would be... I, I, I can't deny that it ended on a softer note than I the, the, expected it The to. Death Stranding thing. Like, sometimes yeah. a game just ends on such a bum note, such a sour note, where it's like, oh, I can't not live with this yeah. now. <laughs> it was great till then, and now I've just got, I just, I can't, every time, then your memory just always serves it up right next to the good stuff. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't disconnect my, I don't know how many, 120 hours of heaven in Death Stranding yeah. um, for an ending that was absolute turd. And I get it, and I get it now. You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily go that far. Like I said, I think it's, <laughs> Okay, it's uh-huh. not like Mass Effect 3 levels of, oh my God, I can't believe what you're doing, even though I quite like Mass Effect 3's ending. Here he is. But um, it just, I was surprised at considering how just nicely constructed the rest of the game was, mm. how uh, a little bit rushed I thought the end was. And it, it, it and that's the patch, you played the one with the extended stuff I as know, well. I know, I know, and even that didn't necessarily <laughs> um, do it for me. I think there's a lot in Act 3 where you can tell that they were just running out of time a little bit mm. and things were getting cut, mm-hmm. and it's still great. It's still better than most RPGs. It's still better oh, dude, than yeah. the best modern RPG in five years or something. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I just I wonder what that final act would have looked like with maybe a year's more development. I maybe. I um, I can only say that I loved the way that my ending came together. I think I was I was less invested in doing every... I only left like one, uh, two side missions by the end of Act 3 that I didn't do. Is that involved Raphael and it involved Lizelle. Um, I didn't do those uh, those uh, quests. But the way that my game found ways to serve up story scenes and knit everything together for me anyway, to me, worked beautifully. And I love the ending that I got. I'm not going to go into spoilers. Um, but yeah, we ended up with opposite sides where you'd done every single thing to that point and then the ending didn't really um, honor that in a, in a way that it could have done. Whereas it totally worked for me, um, who was at that point just ready for it to end. Yeah. Act 3 was so long. I was just like, I'm, I'm with the, the wing of Baldur's Gate uh, 3 fans or players that think that game is so mismatched in its pacing and right. think that Act 3 is like pretty bad in regards to its pacing. Although when things start coming together, it's phenomenal. And then like, to me, because yes. um, you're ticking off the end of all these quests in quick succession, all these different story arcs and everything else. Um, but that game is spinning 50 million plates at once and trying to make you look at certain ones and That's it, whatever. man. I think my expectations were just too high for that mm. ending because, yeah, my biggest disappointment was I did like... Almost everything. If there's something big that I missed, I don't know what it is. Right. And it, my issues were just with how those side missions and those side characters were woven into the finale in a way that I felt like 
I I'm, don't regret doing them because just doing them in and of themselves mm. were was was joy enough, but I thought they were going to be integrated more into the finale, even like how um, Mass Effect 3 had its, uh, what was it, galactic readiness, galactic readiness meter. Yeah. Like, I thought even that gave more purpose to those situations right. than some of the stuff that was brought up in Baldur's Gate. It mm-hmm. had great payoffs for a handful of them, but yeah, it was just a couple others that I thought were left out to dry. That is bit. fair. Let's argue about Mortal Kombat 1. Oh, God, yeah, let's do it. Man, I went mad last week. <laughs> I had, um, you know when you finish a big game... <laughs> And, you know, you just kind of think, well, I'm free now. Uh-huh. Not in a bad way. I loved it. No, but you have, that, you have that grace boulders, period, yeah. You have a grace period of, I can play anything I want. <laughs> That's what I did over the past two weeks, especially when I was ill as well. And I thought, well, now it's time to play Mortal Kombat 1. Mm-hmm. I did it in pretty much one sitting last Wednesday while I was off. And I thought it was really good. It's I phenomenal to a point. Yeah. a lot up to that point that you mentioned, where I think it goes off the rails, but not for the same reasons you think, I don't okay. think. Oh, man, uh, but we're going to do more Combat 1 story spoilers. Yes. I figure most of the MK fandom will have at least played the campaign. Um, so apologies if you haven't skipped, let's say, five, ten minutes from now. If not, um, it's the multiverse stuff that started sending me sideways initially, but it's the absolute F you middle finger, go play the online microtransaction fest that is that story terrible board game mode that made me hate the end of it. We've not interrogated this, and I mean this in the... I'm not trying to set you up or anything, <laughs> but uh, that that multiverse go-play the live service insult, as it mm-hmm. were, I just didn't feel it. Like, right. when I finished the campaign, it, I didn't like necessarily where it went towards the end, and I thought some things could have been fleshed out way more, mm-hmm. but I didn't feel like it was incomplete in any way. You know, I felt like it was... There was a cliffhanger, but the story that had ended, I thought, made sense from where I started, and I oh, had I'm enough. Sh- it wasn't a Suicide Squad. Put it that no, way. well, it's funny because I need to compare it. Again, uh, uh, apologies for, I'm going to use a phrase that relates to the end of Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. It's mm-hmm. not going to be very specific, but 13 Brainiacs. Yes, it's the, it's 13 Brainiacs applied to Mortal Kombat. Like, when you finish that story, yes, it has, a, it has an ending, because somewhere in development, they obviously got told this is how it's going to go, and we needed to pivot into this online. In the Invasions mode, I think it's called Invasions, yeah. is the board game type mode. Um, they finished the story as best they could, but to me, it's very telling that um, you have a, a fade, you have a, a white out ending. Like you defeat um, Quan Chi and Shang Tsung, and then you have the everything goes white. It feels like things are going to explode or whatever it is. And then we cut to like everyone's just chilling back at like a bar, and it's like, well, I guess all that got sorted then. Yeah. And um, and then it's sort of there's like a resolution. Uh, Liu Kang walks away, and then you get a pop up, just a graphic on screen saying like, well, there's infinite open portals everywhere, so go take care of them and go spend the rest of your days in the invasions mode. And it's like there's a way to do that that would have felt propulsive or would have felt more deftly handled. But it's like you have all these things in the main story that are attributing the um, the MK uh, series of games that was like Deadly Alliance and Armageddon and Deception. Um, and you have all that stuff in there, um, apart from Onaga or... Um, I forget the name of the dude that uh, awakens Onaga now, but the dude in Deception. Um, you know, you have all these things that are playing on that. And then they kind of jump past Deception to do the Armageddon ending where you're going up the temple and everything's gone to hell and whatever. It just felt so rushed in those back chapters. And yeah. it was like, well, multiverses are in, so I guess we'll do one of them. And then we can do the infinite mode. And then it was like some of the bugs and stuff, some of the platform issues that were on PC, like the game didn't seem that polished. They patched it loads since launch. Right. Um, you had the uh, microtransaction side of it where things were really overpriced, like they're charging for individual 
individual fatalities. The skin prices are really high. It just reeked of something that needed to get over the finish line from a publisher perspective. Yeah. Um, and that came across in the story to me. It's not that the teams didn't do the best they could, but I resent the... The fact that they start out with a whole new canon and they bin it off and they bring another Shang Tsung in and they go back to like, it's as convoluted now as it was at the end of MK11. And the whole point of rebooting was a clean slate, which was yeah. clearly denied at some point in development. No, I, I I agree with a lot of what you just said there. You know, I think it's definitely rushed towards the end when it does start introducing, you know, the Shang Tsung who was in Mortal Kombat 11 and won and beat Kronika and his timeline mm. and branched it off or whatever. Like, that stuff just comes at you so fast, and then suddenly you've you've amassed an entire army of multiversal warriors, and you're going up the Armageddon um, pyramid, and yeah. you're fighting people, and it's like, it's like how do we get here? <laughs> this is not my beautiful wife. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I guess for me, the only difference is, while I have those criticisms for sure, I think it's just um, comparing it to Suicide Squad, and it's 13 Brainiacs. I just think where you end in Mortal Kombat, yeah, it might be rushed. It might be a little bit anticlimactic, but I think it still respects the world that it's established. In fact, it respects it a little bit more than I thought it would by okay. going back to that timeline and saying, no, we're going to pick up from here. We're going to go back to Kung Lao and mm. Raiden and Liu Kang as Earthrealms. Um, what do you call it? Defenders. Protected defenders. Um, and kind of go from there. Now we've wrapped up kind of wrapped up this multiversal thing that we're still hinting at. It just, it had an ending in a way that Suicide Squad didn't. Like, right. when, I, when I finished Suicide Squad, I felt like I won't know what that story is until I do all of the padding you've mm -hmm. attached to it, whereas... I cannot touch invasions, and I don't feel like I've missed much. Oh, I, I can only fundamentally disagree. Like <laughs> it's, it's the um, it, it is the padding that they threw you into. I felt like the uh, MK1 ending, it, like I said to me, it didn't feel satisfying just because of how fast it, it cut to white and you changed the the location and stuff, and the the graphic popped up on screen, and I was like, oh, so is there a story scene if I go and close off all these polls? Because right. I thought the whole point of doing this new timeline was to have like this new definitive canon because of how messy MK's canon has got. Um, you know, and they could, they were having fun with that stuff. Like you bring Motaro back in and it's like, that's great. Like, you know, I, I love a good convoluted lore. Like it's one of my favorite things. I love reeling off stupid facts about Lost or Metal Gear or whatever. I like, I like knowing about a big convoluted lore. And I love Mortal Kombat's lore as well. And have been, you know, following it for as long as I can remember at this point. Um, but if you're going to push the reset button on that, cool. I'll go with you on that story, on that, that journey or whatever, and I'll be with you. And the changes that they made were so, I would say, substantial. Like, you're changing, you know, entire biomes around, and you're yeah. changing, like, uh, the power dynamics of that world. Like, you've got Adenia is so much more fleshed out with um, Sindel and everything. That stuff was just so purposeful, and it felt deftly handled. Like, me and my wife, I was like, you should watch this, these cutscenes, because they totally work as its own story, and we were doing that stuff. And then um, there was a point where I was just playing, and she was like, I'll just keep going, like, I'll catch up later. And all the multiverse stuff kicked in, and it was like, oh, that just bins off all the stakes, all the, right. the pathos, all the character work that was there before, all the stuff with, like, General Khan overthrowing um, Sindel and, like... Um, you know, all the stuff with Raiden and, and can he be the next Liu Kang and all the training and all the stuff with Kenshi that was just kind of thrown away and like, whatever. After a while, I was like, I don't think, like, they made it, they made it work. But it, yeah. it's, they didn't commit to the new world and they didn't, like, do right by what the game was supposed to be. And then when you add in, like I said, some of the bug, the platform issues, the microtransactions, the infinite online mode, it just got so Warner Brothers to death. I know, yeah. That I just was like, what even is this at this point? It's, yeah, it's a fascinating product it's a fascinating game and it's a fascinating story because on the one hand i agree with you i mm. think you know they should have committed to the new timeline more 
On the other hand, I like that there was still a lingering multiversal aspect because it kind of honors the end of Aftermath where you have like these two specific branching timelines where you, I think you can even play as um, Shang Tsung, right? In you Aftermath. do in Aftermath, yeah. Yeah, like I thought that was a cool way to honor like the player's input in that part of the story rather yeah. than just having to choose one thing be canon, which, which would have been fine, of course, if they did that. But I thought that was an interesting wrinkle to canonize the arcade nature of that ending. I thought that was neat. It had a lot of things that were like neat on paper. I, <laughs> I similarly love the changes that they made. I love what they do with um, Baraka in the Tarkatans. I love Sindel is awesome in yeah. this game. Yeah. Katana is awesome. Mylene is awesome. I love the role of General Shao. Yeah. I like his new kind of subtly redesigned um, design as mm -hmm. well. I think generally, like the designs of all the characters are like my favorite. I They're love awesome, man. More human Sub Zero and Scorpion. I love the cleanness of their. I like Emperor Sub Zero from like Deception. And I, I like I like my hellacious scorpion, but not with a flame skull. I just like him being all messed up. Like, um, this is a good starting point. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting because I didn't realize how much I needed a human version yeah. of those characters until I got them. Um, and it made me look back, funnily enough, you mentioned Deception, on Deception, Sub-Zero, and Scorpion, and think, no, that was a bit too much for me. No. I kind of like it dialed back a little bit. I like the cleanness of this new timeline, which I guess in its in essence is supposed to be more hopeful, I suppose. Well, that was the thing, right? Like, colorful, optimistic. Yeah, like you have, that's the thing you said there about like they honor both sides of a 50-50 split. That's it. That is cool. That's a really cool thing to do. Um, it's just that the thing is they didn't bring in, um, I'm going to forget the dude's name, the guy that played Shang Tsung in the movie that they got back to be Shang yes, Tsung yeah, in Aftermath, yeah. which is, phenomenal. He does the Your Soul is Mine. He does all the stuff that's great. When they bring in that other Shang Tsung, it's just the same Shang Tsung twice, which is different to bringing in Chris Lambert when they bring the other Raiden in. So I'm like, do this or don't do this. I agree with you there. It that, was a bit weird. That was the a bit where I thought the scope of this game is just way too big for the time you clearly have. Mm. Because yeah, when that Shang Tsung comes back and it is just a reskinned version. It's the version new version. Of the Shang Tsung in this timeline, yeah. right? It's like, it's like what? It's the same <laughs> when you get uh, Katana back. Like, mm. I know they changed, I think they're, I'm pretty sure they changed the, the face model between games again. And yes. it's like, but that would have been more Oh, she's impactful. changed races in decades. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's it, right? But it, I'm like, but it would have been more impactful if it was instantly recognizable as MK11's um, Katana. Mm -hmm. Like, that makes more sense than it just being a reskin version of this that we're now pretending was the, the, the previous version. Just, that, that stuff was was not thought out. I no, don't think very well. And I think for me, I, I like, this is a completely personal thing, but I, I, I'm done with multiverse stuff. It right. robs stories of stakes. Like, if anyone who dies can just come back, if any, anything, you would, like, any retcon, anything you need to do, you can just do it in a multiversal way. Um, and there are so few multiverse stories that actually use it as a plot device. Like, everything everywhere all at once is one of the only things that does that. And like, um, in Mortal Kombat's case, it was, as soon as they pulled the multiverse trigger, it all, it lost all stakes to the story that were there in, for the first like two thirds to me. What to me, or to, to you, sorry, makes that, I know it's more substantial mm. than what happened at MK11, but did you not get any of that in MK11 as well with like the time travel and bringing characters back? Because that was, to me, it's, it's the same thing in terms of what you're 
doing? It, I mean, we're in a di- one. We're in a different time, entertainment-wise, where multiverse right, stuff okay. is like exhausted now versus how when they started doing MK11. Um, MK had a better track record with time travel back then. Like you had uh, when they rebooted it in 2011, you had Raiden sending his consciousness back in time yeah. to relive the events of the first three games, um, and that was a really cool way of doing that. It kind of made it one big timeline if you go off his consciousness versus how they could have done it otherwise. Um, and then yeah, that was quite cool. That idea of like, I mean, they do. Immaculate um, character work with Johnny Cage. Yeah. Like, um, as a character that no one was expecting to have an emotional beat, but him learning, like, having to deal with Sonya's death and then, like, him having a daughter and realizing what it's like being a father and, like, um, living for someone else. Like, it's, you know, like, I think Johnny Cage is, like, Ed Boon's favorite character, right? It's either him or Scorpion. Um, and they, they did really good work with that. It fundam- The time travel stuff meant something. Like, um, you had him meet his younger self and be like, oh my God, this is how I used to be. And that's, that's a great thematic to make mm. a person playing that or someone who's indulging in that story. Like, what would I actually say to my younger self? I'm glad I, learned, I moved on from certain things or whatever. They did just enough of that where it was like, it was just a, you're meeting your younger self, that's it. There's not infinite timelines. There's not infinite portals that are connected to a live service. There's just one framing device and Kronika is in charge of time. And if you kill her, that resets everything and then we're solid again. And it's like, we did all that. Yeah. And then they, they squeezed a little bit more out, out of that with Aftermath because then it was Shang Tsung got in charge and whatever. But then going forward, it was like I said, it was so messy. It was so convoluted. It was so fractured that like they were like, we're just going to wipe it all clean. Liu Kang has the power. He molds a reality and that's it. And I'm like, cool. Yeah. Let's just pick and choose what we're going to go forward with. And then they don't stick to that. They, they fracture it all wide open again. And, um, and it just felt so like an inversion of what they were going in with. And why it's even worth doing this. Yeah, like what you you mentioned there about Johnny Cage and the drama that you can wring out of meeting your former Mm. self. Yeah, I agree. I I definitely agree with that. I think that is handled better in MK11. I suppose the only thing I was thinking about or what was sticking in my mind from MK11's time travel shenanigans was Mm. when they just bring back Liu Kang and Kung Lao, who I forgot (laughs) even died, by the way. Um, And then it's like, oh yeah, these are the main characters now. That's the kind of undoing of deaths and consequence that I was, I suppose I was getting at, but no, you, you are right. Well, the Generally, thing is like, it does do it better than MK1. Does. It just felt more purposeful. Like, there was a purpose to resetting the timeline and letting Liu Kang be in charge as Raiden's underling, who finally has the Elder God power to remake a world in the way that he thinks is best, and he mushes all these biomes together, all these different timelines, all these things that he as a character, as an individual, would think is a utopian world, and then he can't help um, whatever energies remain that create Shang Tsung. Like, they didn't really go into why Shang Tsung has to exist again, or why not wipe everybody out? But, like, whatever. Like, there's maybe some rules there. He has to remake everything. And it's in their blood. It's in their energy that they have to go a certain way. Like, and they tease that in the story with like Scorpion gets his eye scar. Um, Hanzo Hisashi doesn't even exist in this new timeline. Yes, yeah. he's like the son of um, Kwai Lang. But um, all that stuff, it's like that great thematics there. You're right, that yeah. whole idea of like, it's within them. They can't be better than this. They have to do Mortal Kombat. Like, so cool. But it all just goes away because we need to do multiverse stuff. I'll tell you what else crap as well. Go on. The cameo system. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Forgot it was in there. It's kind of lame. Kind of lame. Tag fighters, other than like Tekken tag, when it was a cool thing in 2000. Not a fan. No, I agree. Yeah. Mm. Don't really need it. Most of the, um, the thing is like, that's that's another thing that points to, I I said before, like skip five, 10 minutes. It's probably been half an hour. (laughs) The thing 
with my assumption that things were crunched and turned around and made to fit certain release schedules, as we read about in previous years about how they were working on Injustice, they had to go back to Mortal Kombat. The fact that they got rid of the amount of customization per character, if you directly compare it to MK11, it's a fraction of what you could do in MK11. Yeah. Um, when you pick two characters to fight each other, you don't get unique meetups anymore. At the start of every fight, you get one if you're in the right versus menu off the main menu. Otherwise, they just don't acknowledge each other when they fight. Oh, really? That's a shame. Like, that's fundamentally something that's removed. All the victory screens are the same camera angle. Um, it, it's both your characters standing there. You remove the cinematics. And how, in, how unique the victory poses were in MK11 for every individual character. Yeah. You take all that stuff out to get it over the finish line. I can't not see that reduced version of that game. I, say, I know. You're right, man. I mean, there's no crypt. There's no crypt no cr- yeah. one. And it's like, yeah, like the, the unlock scheme is like just so threadbare. Like feed coins to a dragon and watch the animation over and over again and hope yeah. you get something that's worthwhile. Um, it's, just, it's just a shame. Like uh, if, if you're going to do a soft reboot of a canon that is this many entries in, really fully commit to it, and they do for as much as you could. I just feel like you could see the developer versus publisher fight. And the more we read about uh, on the Warner Brothers side, David Zaslav wanting live services in everything, yeah. um, you could see the tendrils towards it as that story played out. Nah, I agree. It makes me... I think it's a fine game. It was a lovely six hours of my life. Mm. I'm, I'm not someone who plays fighting games long-term, so I couldn't necessarily comment on mm. whether it has the legs in the systems or the um, game modes to sustain itself. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's had a bit of a rocky post-launch period. But It's been fascinating watching it roll out. Like, yeah. Because the, the gameplay is phenomenal. It's yeah. some of the best playing MK we've ever had. There's the cameo stuff and how much you get stuck in the air and everything that you can argue is an issue. But um, yeah, like it's the, the microtransaction stuff, the yeah. community response over time has been pretty naff. I know. It's going to be um, interesting where they go from here because... Yeah, you can sort of see WB's tendrils get into this franchise more and more with every <laughs> new release. Uh, play Tekken 8. Tekken 8 is the best I almost, thing. Boy, I've got the demo. Can you believe that? Oh, you're not going to play it, though. I played a demo. What? I know. Why I didn't need, you tell me this first? I needed to know. Because I haven't bought the games, so I have nothing else to add. Oh, but it looked really good. Yeah. Why is it 70 quid? I mean, I know why it's 70 quid, but I can't afford 70 quid. <laughs> Stop buying Rick Grimes skins <laughs> or planning to buy Michonne. Um, Yeah, Tekken 8 and Street Fighter 6 demonstrably better, I would say, as packages than uh, MK1. Uh, how much time have we got left? I'm leaving this thing in. We've almost hit an hour. We've got many plot points to have keep we? going. Let me, let me quickly run through. I'll, 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 I'll tell I'll, you what. Yes. I'll save Silent Hill, because okay. that's going to be substantial. Yep. But let me wax lyrical about VR. And Please don't, do. Don't press off this podcast, because I've mentioned the words VR. <laughs> I promise it's I'll tell you what, right? We'll do a couple of VR things, because you lived on VR for most of last week, and then we'll talk a little bit about Tomb Raider yeah, Remastered. Um, tell me about this bed we made. Uh, oh, my God. I forgot about that as well. Yeah, yeah we've got so much to talk about. Yeah. This bed we made. What a lovely surprise this has been. Um, played it, um, a little bit of it with my uh, partner because mm. it was Valentine's Day and I thought, oh, we could go for a nice little indie game. We Let ate a big cookie. Did you really? We got a really big cookie and we ate it. I love a big cookie. Yeah. Did you get it from Millie's Cookies? We did, town? yeah. Shout out to Millie's Cookies, giant cookies. Nice, I wanted it? two. I, mine was gone. My half was gone in about 10 minutes. Was it? If that, to be honest, like 10 seconds. I want more. The beauty of um, my partner is she uh, doesn't like sweet things too much. <laughs> so if I get something like a Millie's cookie, I know that she'll eat like a bite and then the rest is mine. Oh, so uh, I, I can enjoy that. Just give me the large cookie for the rest good, of my life. They're yeah. really nice, aren't they? I was unfortunately ill, violently ill <laughs> during our Valentine's Day. But we got this game uh-huh. called This Bed We Made. And it's a kind of Ellen Noir-like where you play as a, I want to say 1950s, um, hotel maid, so you're the okay. cleaner, and 
it's third person over the shoulder, semi-realistic graphical style, and you have to solve a mystery, essentially. So you the only gameplay in there is solving puzzles mm-hmm. and cleaning. So it opens up, you're in a room, you clean the room, you go downstairs, you're assigned to um, this other room, 505, I think it is, and you but go in. You're, so you're in VR? No, 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 this isn't VR. Oh. This, is, this is normal. I thought this was JB's VR section. No, no, well, I thought so too. Then you well, went, yeah. I forgot I even put this down. Oh. This is not, this is just a regular I game. I get you. Third person plays like Ellie Noir. Um, and you go into room 505 as this maid called, I think she's called Sophie, and you see pictures of yourself. So whoever's in this room has been snooping on you. Mm. They've got they've got them um, up, and there's like a kind of conspiracy board on the wall. And it's just about being in this hotel, and it's about unraveling this mystery. Okay. I'm not to the end of it yet, so I can't say if that mystery is going to be cool um, or worth it in the long run, but it's, from what I can gather, about five hours of gameplay, mm. and it is... Um, it's had some nice puzzles so far. The dialogue is pretty um, solid. I like the interactions between the hotel staff and the different um, dynamics that they have. And it's just one of those nice little surprises. I think it was only about £25 um, because it is shorter. Mm-hmm. And it has, you know, it has some of those rough around the um, edges moments when it comes to animations and whatnot. But I think if you liked something like Elia Noir and your expectations were in check, it's, mm. a, it's, a, it's a really... Nice time, because the puzzles are interesting, and I'm excited to see whether the narrative actually goes, and it has branching pathways as well. You get to make decisions. We're not sponsored by it or anything, nothing <laughs> like that. Um, I just think it's I think it's really neat. It's can you, thing that I like. Can you pick stuff up and then rotate it slowly? You can do a little bit of that. Get in. You can also make the bed, pick pillows up off the floor, <laughs> snoop in people's drawers. I don't want to do that. I do. I snoop doggy dog. These people from the 60s are up to. Mm. I think if you, I know I keep saying it, uh, if you like Del Noir, but if you like Mad Men, it gives me a real Mad Men vibe. Okay. Um, I'm half expecting one of these hotel tenants to be Don Draper in, uh, <laughs> in disguise or something. It's um, it's cool, man. It's cool. How did you find this thing? Um, it, my a beautiful habit of just going on the PlayStation store and seeing what's there. Interesting. And it was one of those things where I saw I love it. one game journalist says to another, how do you, how do you find these games? How do you, how do you, find the how do you games? get the games, mate? No, nah, man, again, it's, it's all my partner. She, mm. She'll point at a bit of cover art mm-hmm. and then I'll stop and I'll go, ooh, that sounds really good. Because <laughs> um, you've stay out the house last year, which I would never even know existed if it wasn't for you. The exact same way, man. Sometimes you just got to take a stroll through the new releases That's and see true. what's there. And sometimes, like, um, is it Banishers of New Eden? Suddenly, things that weren't on my radar are now mm. on my radar. It doesn't always pay off. Sometimes you get some crap, but um, sometimes you get something good. And th- that you Otherwise, I just, like, there was no reviews for this. No. I think I saw one from, I think it was PC Gamer, which was a good review, but mm. there was just nothing out there about it. And I think I'd seen I think I'd seen the logo or the artwork for it. Um, when you mentioned when you mentioned this morning we we're going to be talking about it on the pod, it did ring a bell. Yeah, but I am um, I'm I'm entirely underwater with Infinite Wealth. And yes, I, will, I need to get through. I've, I'm like 15 hours into that game. It's incredible, and I love it. But I I'm determined to get through that before Final Fantasy VII Rebirth because oh, then man. that'll be my march. So yeah, this is it. This is why I've gone mad, right? Because <gasps> there's only Magic. huge games now. Mm. You know, coming off Baldur's Gate with 
Final Fantasy on the horizon and knew that would be another hefty chunk of time. So I just wanted something short, and uh, that's why I went to Foam Stars and I went to this bed we made, and um, one of those proved much better than the other. We, um, You should tell me about Creed Rise to Glory while we're on. Yeah, no, I've, I've really overtaken this podcast, bloated it out to extreme length. Be done. Let me talk to you about Creed Rise to Glory, which... <laughs> is a VR game, mm-hmm. a VR boxing game, if you couldn't tell by the title, Creed, mm-hmm. of course, being um, the spin-off to Rocky. And essentially, man, it's just, it's VR boxing. And I thought, how could, how good <laughs> could this be? It turns out it can be amazing. Yes. And I'll be truthful, the reason that I bought this game in the first place wasn't because I wanted a boxing game. It's because I suck at cardio. Okay. And I've been trying to get back Same. to... Um, you want to get the ring fit, mate? Oh, I got one. It's so good. I was crap at that as well. <laughs> it did nothing for me, the ring fit. But um, I love ring fit. I've been trying to, like I said at the start of this podcast, five hours ago, I've been trying to get back into uh, my gym routine. Yeah. And I've managed to do that more or less. With, Jim Ryan. Um, with the, yeah, Jim Ryan, right? Very good. Call me Jim Ryan. <laughs> with, with, with the weights, because I find weights just all right to do. Mm. But there's something about cardio that I just find boring, man. Yeah, like, man. I, I don't like doing it. I don't like being sweaty. Same. So that's not very good. And I just, I can't look at half an hour after work and being taken up by just walking. And even if I'm like <laughs> listening to a podcast, my brain just rejects it. I know what you mean. It says, get home. Walking is the drinking water of exercise. It is. And I love drinking water. Same. It's, yeah, I wouldn't even put it on the same level. It's mm. like... You know, some people just don't like water, though. Yeah, and I I'm do. like, what are you doing? It's like, what, what is the best drink It's like drinking the, the idea of being refreshed. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's like drinking a, a reset. It's Sorry beautiful. for wanting to be hydrated. <laughs> Bloody hell. Um, so essentially, I've been trying to find cheat codes for months to get me to do some cardio. And I thought, wait, oh, maybe... Maybe boxing, because I've always wanted to um, hit the bag, yeah. as it were, anyway. Um, but I just don't have the equipment for it, and I don't want to go and see other people to get trained or anything. Mm. So I just thought, you know what, I'll, I'll see if this works. Anyway, the point is, it really works. In fact, I'm doing more cardio now through this VR um, thing than I ever was when I was actually doing the gym. That's good. To, to what I was supposed to be doing there. Mm-hmm. And it's just really fun. My only comparison for this game was Wii Boxing, which is <laughs> so out of date because all you're doing is swinging the 2007? nunchucks. 2007? Yeah. 2007, and you're swinging the nunchucks and you're not moving your body. Yeah. Obviously, in VR, you've got this thing strapped to your head, so you're ducking, you're mm. diving, you're weaving, you're on your toes, you're throwing jabs, and it is intense when these hulking dudes are coming towards you. And obviously, you're not feeling the punches, but your brain still kind of tricks you mm. into, um, you know, flinching or feeling like someone is all up in your grill, all up in your space. Mm-hmm. And I've had such a fun time doing it. I've looked like a state doing it. <laughs> I've sent you some images and some videos that should never be circulated it's just online. the future of that. I feel like everyone's going to be like that. Yep, of me in my pants um, <laughs> with the headset on, sweating Absolutely, it's very. Sweating. This um, is what peak performance looks like. This is what, yeah, 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 yeah it really is. You know, <laughs> you don't have to like it. Because I was like, who's filming this? It's like it's a, it's a locked from. off shot. I was like, is your partner filming this? Have you it filmed was. this yourself? My girlfriend um, got some sneaky videos while she was in the in the kitchen, of <laughs> unbeknownst to me and me pants doing this game. But it's it's a whole lot of fun. And, yeah, um, it's 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 interesting to get better at something that's physical. Like we. We get better in games all the time, and it's it's satisfying. But to but to physically get better, to um, get better at this boxing game by stringing together jabs more or having more awareness of what your mm. opponent is going to do, it's obviously not the real thing. But it 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 feels satisfying in a yeah. way that it 
it, you can't just when you're playing the game. And mm-hmm. it's it got me just thinking about VR because I've also been playing The Walking Dead since since Sinners 2 mm-hmm. after buying it last year. And it got me thinking about, you know, when you always talk about, like, when's the next gameplay innovation coming? Mm. I'm not saying this to try and get you to play bloody VR too, but <laughs> I think it's in these games. Like, right. I was having moments similar to maybe how you were having them in Helldivers 2 in Saints and Sinners where I just thought, this is what games can be. This is giving me a sense of um, experimentation and freedom that I don't really have on the, on the flat screen anymore. Oh, true, yeah. Like, for instance, uh, Saints and Sinners 2, which is a zombie survival game, if you don't know, um, introduces night missions where, kind of like how in Dying Light, when it gets to nighttime, the zombies are stronger, you're not supposed to be out. That's kind of how the first game worked as Mm. well. This time around, you can go out at night and it's more viable, but obviously there's way more zombies. It's harder to get around. It's going to be harder to extract yourself. There's even more humans with guns and stuff. So I was in this mission where I had to infiltrate a school and there's so many zombies and there's so many people with guns and I died. Right when I was really deep into the level, and it also has this Dark Souls-style system where your backpack with all your stuff will um, be where your dead body is and you need to mm. get it, because if you die again, you lose all that stuff. So you spawn in, right, with only what you had on your body when you died. Mm-hmm. All I had on my body when I died was a bone arrow with four arrows, right. and I, th- I think that was literally it. So I'm, I'm faced with this idea, Scott, of going back into this school with run. a fraction of the equipment that I had because I didn't want to lose that equipment because mm-hmm. I had some good guns, I had some good um, resources to bring back to camp and stuff. So I thought, how am I going to do this? There's nothing in the area. I've exhausted it. And I had one of those VR moments that just made me feel like a genius where I was drawing back the string mm. on the bow and I realized I had to manually load the bow with the arrow, right? Mm-hmm. So one hand, I have the bow, one hand, I have the arrow. And I just thought, well, instead of drawing it back, can just I not just... stab him. Yeah, can I just use this as a weapon? And I thought, will the game let me do that? Yeah. So I took it in one hand, and because it's, like, so thin and so unlike the other weapons I was using, I didn't know if I'd even be able to get the mm. power on it because you, you need to, like, properly, you know, swing around to make sure you penetrate the zombie flesh. So... <laughs> I, I give it a I give it a go at this zombie that's coming towards me and I miss right right and I stab him in the stomach and I'm like oh my god so I'm holding if the game recognized the stab though it did yeah. well, that's the thing right it did recognize it so I thought whoa on the one hand now I need to get rid of the zombie who's <laughs> you know plunging towards me while I've stabbed him in the stomach but uh. two this could work so I pulled it out second um, attempt straight in the noggin right straight nice. through the eyeball and I thought this is going to be amazing this is how it works <laughs> I pulled the arrow out, and then suddenly I'm crawling through this school just stabbing people <laughs> with this improvised weapon. Like Legolas when he puts the arrow through the, <laughs> like through the orc. And I was learning like a new mechanic as I went because I realized you know, after a few kills, if I hold the um, arrow further on down, my, 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 my hand, like I have better grip, so I was right. getting better at it. And then I got to the end of the level and I'd run out of arrows and I could see my backpack and there was one zombie between us and I thought, well, I've got no arrows left. So <laughs> I, I found a bottle on the side, I smashed it so it was um, sharp. Did you know you could do that? No. And then I just <laughs> rammed it through the zombie's head and then got my backpack back. And it was just one of those 10 minutes of gameplay that I've belabored over here that just had that, improvisation and that sense of experimentation with mechanics that I think gaming just oh, is is made for. Dude, right? yeah, that's that's the gameplay forward 
I'm just going to say this. That's why the cutscene, high production, earlobe stuff yeah. doesn't matter. Oh. Like, ultimately, I would have a million more experiences like that that you just described yeah. than, like, oh, if you shoot the boat, the it slowly sinks or whatever. <laughs> like I just, it's uh, the, the gameplay forward stuff is why I'm here. I'll go watch a movie if I want to watch a movie. But, um, but yeah, that sounds awesome, though. Like, improvising on the fly and having to pay off is the, is the best. I think it's the best horror game I've ever played, man. Like, right. sometimes when those games click like that, um, I just think... Oh yeah, this is why I paid five hundred pound for this headset. You know mm. what I mean? Because I'm just experiencing what should be a rote gameplay section. I mean, how many times mm. in across the generations have we infiltrated a zombie infested school? We've done it millions of yeah. times to to get an item, but it's just it was revolutionized well, like, because think- it had that gameplay focus that yeah, you said. Yeah. Well, it's like, think of it like, I've done zombie escape rooms and I've done uh, zombie chases like through uh, our own Newcastle upon Tyne in the northeast of England um, where you go to different buildings that are like laid out. And I remember when I was doing them in, in real life, like I started thinking like a video game where I was like, well, I wonder what area they're allowed to, how far are they allowed to chase me? Um, and then like activating different pockets of them yeah. and like throwing distractions and whatever. And it's like, you start thinking in that hybrid way of like, well, I have all these lessons from gaming, but I mean, it's me doing it. Yeah. And I think that like a VR version of a zombie thing would even the simplest of scenarios like you have to actually survive it yourself yeah which um yeah is a massive step up um when you like just ask a game will you let me do this and then it surprisingly answers yes i mean that's entirely what breath of the wild is built on yeah it is the kingdom yeah it is the kingdom just that idea of um the game encouraging you to be a bit cheeky. Yeah. Think outside the box and then rewarding you for it. The best games, in terms of gameplay, I feel, do that. Even, totally. Even something as simple, man, as when I, Uncharted 4 was showing off and they were showing off the winch mechanic. And instead mm. of going up to a tree and pressing square t- for the animation to begin to wrap it around, you just walked around the tree. <laughs> that kind of like yeah. s- weird common sense gameplay. I, yeah. I guess I would... The only way I can describe it as is just so satisfying totally. when, it's, when it's done right. It's the, it's the absolute heart of the gameplay forward argument. Yeah. If there was if it, if there's an argument that needs to be made, um, it's like letting you know that the rules work. Like yes. the whole thing in Zelda and uh, Tears or Breath of the Wild, where it's like, oh, there's like a bit of raw meat, but there's a flame, and if I put it next to it, it cooks the meat or whatever. Um, that stuff can be at the heart of um, some of the best gameplay experiences. Anyway, we have gone for over an hour, Josh Brown. I'm so sorry. This is. <laughs> It's my fault. I've given us the most meandering, <laughs> indulgent podcast we've ever it's done. It's got to be done. Pod, headline, podcaster apologizes for podcasting. It's got to <laughs> It's got to be done. Um, well, I'm going to play a lot more of Tomb Raider Remastered. I've only got it downloaded, but we're going to do a, a bit more of a chat on the state of, I guess, the approach to remasters and the fact that Tomb Raider Remastered does it the same way as Halo Master Chief Collection and um, the remake of Alex Kidd. I couldn't think of any other games that have done the one-button toggle to old graphics, but the Alex Kidd remake did. Every game should do it. And then yeah, I'm definitely if they can. gonna talk about that. Nah, man, I don't even care if you can't. Make it mean? happen. Make it happen. Make it happen. I'll do it with old, old blocky Spyro, but uh, we'll get back around to that stuff. For now, this has been The Wind-Up. I've been Scott Tilford. That's been Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Tilford. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you. Have a lovely week, and we'll catch you soon. Goodbye. 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 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.